Hello, everybody. It's Dr. Rick. Uh, even though I don't normally do this, I'm going to wait about maybe 10 or 15 seconds and let a few more people come in if they're going to come in. Uh, I'm not one that normally does that. Uh, I normally come in and I just go. Um, I know people are dropping in and they want to hear what's going on. They want to get on about their business, but I do want to let people stroll in a little bit for those who won't go back and watch you know i want to catch as many as i can uh but i'm going to address this issue uh as simply and quickly as possibly can i want to talk about a couple of things that's on my mind as far as this case with our carlicia uh carlicia hood and her 14 year old son and jeremy um, got the young man's name who lost his life. Uh, but I'm going to talk about all of that. I'm going to talk about the media um, and the way they portrayed it and the tendency of media. And the police had a role in it as well. But I'm going to talk about it. So we're going to go ahead and quiet that down. And look, before I get started, uh, you guys who f are following me on the channels that I would normally be talking about this on, because I'm talking about it on multiple platforms. I'm streaming this over a number of different platforms. But if you know the work we do at the Odyssey Project uh, through the Black Voice and many other mediums, uh, and you believe in the work we do, uh, I'm asking you to support the work we do. Uh, the ways that you can support our work in the Black community, whether it's the Research Center, the Think Tank, program uh, development implementation, wraparound services for black men and black women, whatever it is, uh, the link and the information is in the description box. All right, let's just get right down to it. Um, I wanna say it was the 18th or the 19th um, of this month uh, in um, Chicago. Um, believe it believe it was in West Pullman uh, neighborhood in, in Chicago um, a woman and her son went to a neighborhood restaurant looked like a chicken or a hamburger joint something like that the kind where you go in it's probably Asian owned because it has the windows that you got to peek through the order even though you're on the inside it doesn't have counters um, that's a whole nother discussion for another time, but uh, some kind of ways a, a, a young black man, 30 year old black man comes in and he and Miss Hood get into a disagreement and an argument escalates to the point she texts her son and lets him know, hey, something's going on in here. Um, the bottom line is the 32 year old man decided to assault her. Um, I, as a man, am declaring that an unprovoked assault. To me, when it comes to a woman, to me, a provoked assault is she has a weapon and she's trying to use it on me. A woman running her mouth, which she's probably going to be a lot better at than you, is still not provocation. It's not justification. It's not a reason to hit a woman. And I'm going to get to that in a minute. But anyway... Um, the son is by this time inside doing the argument and he's armed. Uh, I'm assuming she had, based on what I've been able to find, she had a permit and a car to carry the weapon and the weapon was in the car. Uh, when he came in, he had it in his hoodie pocket based off of the films that I've been able to see. Uh, while I didn't watch the actual guy being hit, I did watch the part where the kid pulled the gun because I was trying to uh, draw conclusions. And this is coming from a lot of different cameras and angles and things of that nature. But here's the thing. He, he begins to hit her. And when I say hit her, I can't describe the force that he's putting behind these punches as he's hitting this woman in the face and in the head. And it's like, from from what I saw, he he says, if you just say one more word and he's got this look on his face and you can see him getting ready to wound up. And I'm going like he's he's going to hit her and he unloads on her like three or four times that you can see. And 
then all of a sudden you see another video it looks i guess people got it and spliced it when it first started circulating uh with the kid you know rough tussling in his hoodie to get the gun out and he chambers around and then you you hear you see people scrambling and you hear a couple of shots um and initially uh they turned themselves in they left but they turned themselves in and they were arrested and charged with first degree murder um and the media started out before i get to what the media did because this is the primary reason i'm here is this propaganda in the way that we are displayed in media and how we need to be smarter in deciphering what we're seeing and how we need to be patient in our judgments and how we need to create our own spaces. But before I do that, I've got to touch on something. Anybody that's followed me for any stretch of time understand how I feel about black men and the responsibility of black men to protect black women. Uh, I'm not one for giving black women passes to do anything and be in it and say anything, do whatever we want. I'm not there. Um, I'm not there at all. Uh, but I believe that there are just certain things you don't do when I designed and created, um, black man lead right of passage initiative. I built it on the principles of manhood. And the first principle that we teach young black boys is that a black man never causes harm to a black woman. It doesn't mean that black women are perfect. It doesn't mean that there aren't times that they are mishandling, mishandling you, mistreating you, wronging you. But unless you are literally physically in jeopardy, walk away, execute your capacity to manage your emotions and walk away. This isn't about whether it's fair. This isn't about what, why I have to walk away. That's what we as men do. We manage our emotions and we walk away. We step back and we evaluate and we make good decisions. That's what men do. So that's the first rule. So anybody who's followed me understands how I feel about this. This isn't a free pass for women to go ham on dudes. Absolutely not. What I'm saying is there has to be a sense of security in our in our communities. We need our sisters to be able to look at us and feel safe when they're in our presence. As long as we are condoning the behavior that took place in that place while other men were in that place. Maybe if, and, and don't get me wrong, there are some cats that if you try to intercede while they are roughing up a chick, you could end up dead if you're not prepared to take them out. I understand that. Nobody ever said being a man, especially a black man, was easy and safe. Also, Being a black man, the moment you walk out of your house, you're in jeopardy and you don't have to be in the hood. They want us to think that the only threat we have against us is other black people. And the truth of the matter is anybody that understands how this company operates and moves knows that's not true. We know that we can not be doing anything, not be a threat to anybody and end up dead in the wrong situation. It might be a cop, it may not. It might be a neighbor or it might be somebody else that you just happen to pull up on and they're in the wrong mood or you knock on the wrong door. We know this, but what I'm saying is as a man, there has to be a sense of responsibility that says, not on my watch. You're not going to harm a black woman on my watch. Now, my my goal or my desire is not to harm anyone. I want to defuse situations. I want to say, hey, wait, we're not doing that. We're not doing that here. We're not doing that now. But, you know, now, if it gets to the point where it's not working that way, I still have a responsibility to make sure she said, now, black women, let me, let me step aside from that for a second. Stop putting black men in situations 
where they've got to risk their life to defend you. Know when you're supposed to be, where you're supposed to be, and how to handle yourself. You can't handle everybody the way you think you want to. Some people don't have the same values, interests, and principles that you may be holding on to. There are some men out there that'll give it to you just as good as they'll give it to anybody else. And then there are some weak men out there. The only thing they're going to do is hit on women. You got to beware of what's going on. Now, when you're in a situation and you've done nothing or you're, you, you're standing your ground in a rightful way and, and something happens, you need to be able to depend on us. And I, I'm going to push that. I'm going to stand behind that. But this isn't a pass. And, and, and we were talking about this, me and some of my, my, my guys, man, we were talking about, uh, I'm, I will not entertain a woman who's going to put me in jeopardy because I'm a defender, I'm a protector. And you're putting me in jeopardy. You're either putting my life in jeopardy or you're putting my freedom in jeopardy if you don't know how to carry yourself. There's a responsibility that comes along with the security that you're expecting black men to provide for you. So that's that part. But black men, I don't care how she acts. I don't care how she behaves. See, 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 I'm not just going to respect the black woman that I can look at and see myself with. I'm not just going to respect the black woman I can look at and see my daughters in. I'm going to look at them and say, that's a black woman. She's had a tough go of it, no matter what she's at. If she's living in the hood or she's in corporate America, she's dealing with some things. And as a black man, I'm going to make this environment as safe as I possibly can for her. While I'm here, nothing's going to happen to her. And I saw men scrambling in that video long before the shooting took off. And my thing is, when you see two people that don't know each other, or even if they do know each other, and they're in a public space and you're there and you got a man and you can see his aggression, every man knows posture from another guy. You know when a guy's starting to size you up and you know when he's getting to that point. You see what's going on. All you got to say, whoa, 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 whoa. And there's a way, and, and one of my guys, one of my my, my, my buddies were, was talking about that. He says, there's a way I intercede where I'm not interceding in a way that's challenging to the dude because that just creates more confrontation. It's, it's more like, hey, man, we don't want to do that here, man. Come on, man. Look, You know, you work that way now. It still may escalate to where you have to put hands on him or it may go even further. But what we have to do, if we're ever going to get to a place where we really have the unity and the love and the respect between our between black men and black women, we've got to create a safe space for black women and black women. You've got to create peace and respect for black men. But I'm going to tell you something, black women. It's hard to get a woman to respect you when she can't trust you. It's hard to get her to respect you when she's afraid of you. She might do whatever you think she you, she should do because she's afraid of you. That's not what happened. Here's another thing. A person that's afraid of you is a threat. It just takes the right place, the right time. We have a responsibility to put an end to that. I am real big on consequence. I, 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 I'm not real big on morality. Now, I try to live in a moral and upstanding way. I try to treat people uh, better than I want to be treated. I want people to have a positive uh, experience in dealing with me. I'm human. Sometimes I'm off. Sometimes I'm having a bad day. But I try to handle people in a way that, that they can be respected. But let me tell you something. You... We, 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 we have to sit up and say enough is enough. I'm not going to allow this to happen while I'm sitting here. Now, what if, and, and I get it, man, I get it. That was a time when I was growing up. I don't care how mad you was. Old school said, hey, man, y'all kill that. It was done. It was a respect we had. These kids, I'll be honest with you, these young folks don't have a respect for their elderly. They've lost it. They don't feel it's old. And because of that, you get situations where guys just check out. Man, I'm not getting involved in that. But I'm going to tell you something. If you have a greater sense of responsibility, now, if all you think about is you 
I get it. But see, I think beyond me. I, I, I think beyond my family. I think about my community and I think about my race. And I think about where we say we want to be as a race. Empowered, enriched, liberated, and self-sustained. That's going to require unity. That's going to re require women to be respectful. That's going to require men to be protective. It's going to require us to have a sense of awareness of how we fit in into our roles with one another. And it's got to start with trust. There's got to be a better way. Even when black men are in disagreement, there's got to be a better way than resulting to violence. And here's a problem I have with it. And I might as well just come out and say this too. It's amazing to me how we can go from zero to 10 when they look like us. And George Zimmerman is still stumping his fat little ass around Florida. And ain't nobody touched him. That 911 caller begged that fool to leave that boy alone. He picked a fight he couldn't win and he killed a kid because of it. And he's walking around here doing all kind of crazy stuff, doing autograph signings and all kind of bull crap. And nobody's touching them, but we'll pop one off in our own in a heartbeat. This isn't about this case. This is just about where we are as a people. We can't talk about advancing. We can't talk about growth. We can't talk about empowerment if we aren't willing to deal with the enemy within. You know how I, how I feel about things. Look, uh, I've been saying this for years, that, that African proverb, if there's no enemy on the inside, the enemy on the outside can do us no harm. White supremacy has power because we've got too many cracks in our foundation. If we come together and love one another, brother, stop competing with each other. Start collaborating with one another we would have far more power than we have. We would not be asking for permission to do a bunch of things that we have the capacity to do, but we have, we, we are we've been conditioned and programmed to see each other as the enemy. Now I'm gonna say this and then I'm gonna get into this media thing, black man. Trust me, I've been doing this thing in this world for 55, almost 56 years, 56 years in less than a month. I understand what it's like to be a black man in this world. I understand the challenges, but what I'm telling you is that can't be an excuse for subpar behavior, subpar performance, subpar ideologies and thinking. We can't lower ourselves to what they've declared we are. They put it in our music. They portray it in the videos. They put it in the uh, movies. They, they 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 report on it in the media and, and, and they tell you this is who you are. You are not that. You are the genius they fear. That's why so much energy and effort is pushed and pressed against you is that this is what they fear is that you rise up and become what you're capable of becoming. But as long as you're weighing that you weigh down here in an area where your emotions are driving you to do things that are detrimental to you and others, you have no use in the community. You are a threat. And I'm a believer of consequences. I don't, I, I'm not with the morality thing. Again, like I said, I try to live by a moral code. But I believe in consequences. I believe that the way you stop somebody from doing something that you don't want them to do is you apply negative consequences to it. You let them know you can do it. I can't stop you from doing it. But if you do it, this is what's going to happen to you. And th there needs to be a code of conduct in our community. There needs to be an understanding of what's expected and what happens when you don't operate as expected. There's no species that has survived long term that doesn't have a code of conduct. Every animal in the animal kingdom has a code of conduct within the social group. Any mammal, which are social by nature, has a code of conduct, whether it's the lion, whether it's the elephant the giraffe, whether it's bears, whatever, whether it's wolves, there's a code of conduct and there is punishment for moving outside of it all the way up to death. 
You will not put the pride in danger. You will not put the herd in danger. And, and, and yet here we are imploding within ourselves because we, we don't know how to carry ourselves. Now, some of that is because we haven't had proper manhood modeled for us, but hey, we've got to do better. Now, and I, I said all that to say this about what happened. While I hate a black life was lost, he took his life out of his hands the moment he put his hands on her. It's that simple. That cannot be any uh, excuses given. She did not touch him. She definitely did. There's absolutely nothing he, she could have said that would have been justifiable for what he did and the way he did it. And what would you expect a, a, a young male of any age to do the moment you hit his mom? I know a bunch of cats, including myself. The moment you raised your voice to my mom, me and you gonna deal. This is just simply what needs to be done. But again, we had grown men, older men, that could have used the voice of reason or at least attempted to. Everybody's filming, watching. We are we are literally entertained by black violence. And so is everybody else. We have to get our stuff together. Now, the media. Man, when the media reported it, it was uh, what? I'm going to go back and look at some of the stuff. Charges against mom and teen son in Chicago restaurant. Murder charges against mother uh, who uh, authorities say ordered her son to shoot uh, a man in Chicago. Another one said she... Uh, encouraged him to shoot him uh and none of it none of it mentioned that she was under attack at the time of the shooting none of it mentions that she didn't pass the first lick she didn't get to pass a lick but it was just reported in a real big slant and charges were immediately filed and i'm going like what i saw doesn't add up and of course, the charges now have been dropped. And what I find is, and this is important, while some media outlets are reporting why the charges were dropped, the same media outlets that were reporting it on a very uh, different slant, you know, like th this mother, uh, and I, I, I do, I have issues with putting your 14-year-old son in a situation like that. Because now, whether he's charged or not, he's got some major scars. You don't just come back from taking a person's life. I don't care how hard you are. There's something that he's going to have to deal with. And I hope that they get him the help that he needs uh, as far as that goes. But at the same time, no, he shouldn't have been putting his hand up. But here's the thing. The ones who reported it and only reported one side of it aren't, aren't printing retractions, aren't printing new stories about the fact that the um, uh, charges were dropped. Matter of fact, their original stories are still up without updates because I'm looking at them now. It, it, none of them show updated. So they are doubling down on the way they wanted to portray us. Now, what we have to understand here is that we are consistently portrayed in a negative light in the media, and we don't have to necessarily be doing anything wrong to be betrayed that way. It's just automatically assumed if something happens to a black person, especially a black male, it had to be something they were doing to deserve it. Why? Because we are naturally aggressive and violent. We are naturally criminal minded. We don't like to work. We don't take care of our kids. All of these things are pushed and none of them actually align with what studies and statistics and true numbers show. Yes, we have some clowns. Yes, we have some that don't understand. Yes, we have a problem within our community with violence. But I, I, I look at how the media 
has championed the term black on black crime. And we don't ever hear about white on white crime. We don't ever hear about uh, Asian on Asian crime, Arab on Arab crime. And people say, well, it's just, no, it's not. Let me tell you something. Crimes of violence, including murder, are proximal. What does that mean? That means they normally happen around people you know because it normally happens out of anger and emotion. So you're normally with people you know. Now, there are times that you run into somebody and you're out, you get into it and exchange uh, words and somebody ends up hurt. And that could be any race or any color at any time. But as a general rule, put it like this, 85% of all white murders are committed by white people. Have you ever heard the term white on white crime? I mean, right on white crime or white on white violence. It's a social understanding when it comes to everyone else except us. Now, is violence uh, prevalent in most inner city black communities? Yes, but they're prevalent in any community where poverty is persistent. Criminology 101, penology 101, any sociological understanding of socioeconomics is going to tell you that where poverty is high, crime is high, violence is high. It's not a racial inherent trait. It is a socioeconomic reality. And it just so happens that there are a lot of poor black people. But we have a responsibility to change the narrative. Yes, that's one of the reasons I created Black Men Lead was to mitigate the uh, adolescent and young adult male violence in the Black community, something I've been championing for a couple of decades. The programs work, but they're underfunded. Uh, that's a whole nother story that I'm not going to get into, but that's that's one part of it. Another part of it is when you have a bunch of children, you have 1.5 million black men missing, 1.3 million of those are in prison. We make up 6% black men, make up 6%, 6.3%, something like that of the total population of this country. Yet we make up almost 40% of its prison population. It's not because we're more criminal minded, it's because we have been engineered into poverty. There are three ways that you earn a living to support yourself and your family. The first way is income, whether it's a job or a business you own. The second way is subsidies. That means some kind of government subsidy, uh, whether it's food stamps, uh, uh, financial support, housing, whatever, it's supplemental income. Uh, if you don't qualify for that, it's crime in some form or another, whether it's stealing, whether it's selling drugs, whether it's running some form of an organized crime operation, those are the three ways you make money. If you if you are the most unemployed and underemployed, then you're going to need support of the second tier. And it's hard to, for men to get help at the second tier. So guess where that lands you? And this has been engineered since the 60s. This isn't anything new. This is not an excuse. This is a clarion sounding to say we need to come together and build our own. Stop asking and begging them to give us something. We have the capacity and the genius to create ourselves. And somebody said, well, how do we get to this off of that? Because if we handling our business, we get a lot less of Carlicia hoods and 14 year olds killing people trying to protect their mom. We have to understand. See, the problem is we don't know how to ask why. We have been trained and conditioned and much of society is the same way. We've been trained and conditioned to observe the symptoms, become frustrated with the symptoms and overwhelmed by them. We never ask why, because if I ask why, then it sends me to the cause. If I understand the cause, now I have the ability to impact causality. And if I can impact causality, I can make change. So they get you so overwhelmed with what you're going through, you never ask yourself why. 
See, if I ask myself why, then I sit up and say, well, what I need to do is I need to create more avenues for young black men to make money to support their families. Because when a man is able to support his family, he's got more confidence. He's more calm. He's less frustrated. He's less stressed. He's less likely to be violent. Why? He's handling his instinctive and inherent desire. Now, there are, there are studies by Kaiser, studies by uh, the Pew Research Center that show that black men are uh, the most engaged fathers in the U.S. Now, that's not the image that's portrayed. We're dead beats. We don't take care of our children. Well, that's not what the research says. The research says that black men are more engaged with their children, spend more time with their children, talk to their children more, attend their children's events more, and give more of their earned income towards the raising of their children than any other group, including whites and Asians. This is not some study I did through my uh, research center. This is the Pew Research Center and Kaiser, two of the most respective research centers in the world. And they have done this study more than once. But what do we get? We get the deadbeats paraded before us. We get the violent offenders paraded before us. We how many, how many stories do we get do we see about the black man doing something extraordinary with his family? You got to go find it. But do something stupid. You'll get, you'll get center page and they'll talk about it for weeks on end. That's because we aren't controlling the narrative. We aren't investing in ourselves. We aren't doing the things we need to do so that we write the narrative. We control the conversation around us. And why is that important? I'm going to tell you two reasons why it's important. The first reason is significant. The second reason is off the chart. The first reason is we get, we get, we get, uh, stereotyped and profiled constantly, no matter where we go. You, you you walk by the little lady coming out of the grocery store and she starts to clench her purse a little tight and she starts to move over to the other side of the uh, walkway uh, until she gets by you. And we used to like to say the little old white lady, but let's be honest about it. It's the little black lady too. It's other ladies too. It's because even our own women believe we are a threat because that's all they see. So what happens? The moment something happens, we're immediately a threat and we're choked out on subways. We're killed for knocking on doors. We're shot through doors because we are by recognition, violent and a threat. That's the media creating this. That's all that story about Carlisha Hood was, is the media doubling down on the fact that blacks don't know how to handle themselves. And we act like white people ain't killing each other. White people kill each other and white people kill each other for a whole lot less. I will argue that I'm gonna leave that one alone. But definitely, I I literally study this behavior uh, because you want to know what you're saying is accurate if you're going to say that you operate in the realm of science. You wanna have empirical and pragmatic data that supports your ideology. And what I can tell you is they will kill for a very small bit, especially the women. Um, where we sit up and say we're tired and we just leave a relationship. They say, you're tired, hey baby, drink this. But that gets very little airplay. But they will parade a picture of a black man. And don't get me wrong, wrong is wrong and I'm not co-signing anything. And I'm not one of those people saying, well, since they get away with it, we should get away with it too. No, I'm saying everybody needs to be held to the same standard. And the standard should be excellent. The standard should be, I mean, something worth aspiring to. I'm not one for coming down. I don't want to be able to get away with bull crap. I don't want to be mediocre. I don't want to just be somebody moving around. I want to be held to a standard, but I want to hold everybody else to the same standard. That's what I want. 
But here's the other reason. The first reason is when we don't control the narrative and they present us in a negative light, they make us targets because everybody sees us as a threat. Here's the bigger reason. When we don't control the narrative, they are feeding our kids images of what they think they are. And those images are so prevalent that they anchor themselves in the psyche and the subconscious of those children. And if they don't find something to interrupt that image, they will become it. That's the importance of understanding what's happening around you when they do stories like that. Again, I am sorry that a black man lost his life. But I will say it again. He took his life out of his hands when he decided to put his hands on that woman. But at the same time, I want the story told in truth. I remember a time when that was a much higher standard on the media for reporting the truth. Now it's about uh, getting, getting exposure, creating viral content, and painting images and narratives depending upon the ownership and leadership at any particular media outlet. So it's not about truth, it's about influence. So the media now more than ever is an influential tool for the wealthy elite. And you have to be aware of that. That's another reason we should be investing in our own media outlets because they carry so much power. These kids focus so much on what's on their devices. And no matter how hard we try to monitor that, there's only so much we can do. We have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to write a narrative, be able to tell our story our way. Um, I'm, uh, I see someone's talking about whether it's manslaughter, murder, self-defense. Uh, I'm not going to get into that. Like I said, the moment he decided to start beating on that woman who had not touched him, he took his life out of his own hands. Um, I hate that that kid was put in that position. Um, that kid is definitely going to need some support uh, psychologically, um, probably long term. And um, you never know what's going to happen after that. He's pulled the trigger now. He's taken the life. Things will never be the same. Yeah, uh, the, I can't say it, uh, 26. Uh, I'm, I'll put it on here so people know what's going on. I'll put it up real quick. Hold on a second. Just, I read that the son didn't chase him down outside. Also, the girlfriend lied about the mom ordering her son to shoot. Yeah, both of those were found to be not true. She didn't order him to shoot her, and he didn't chase him down and shoot him out in the parking lot. I think he was shot a total twi twice. But he wouldn't have been shot at all if he would have kept his hands off of that woman. Uh, I cannot stress that enough. And again, this isn't me saying women go do whatever you want to because men can't touch you. This is me saying, men, we are supposed to have the capacity to manage our emotions. There's nothing a woman should be able to say to cause us to hit her. Now, if she becomes a threat to your, your, your physical space, then you do what you have to do to neutralize that. And the more in control of yourself you are, the better that outcome will be. Everything doesn't have to escalate to death or physical contact, but you do what you do to defend yourself. So I'm never going to sit up and say, bruh, if she coming at you with that knife, you can't hit it. That's a woman. No, she just changed the game when she picked up that knife. And so it's about understanding things. But here's another thing. When you're really handling things the way you're supposed to, as men and as ladies, when you're handling things the way you spoke, the need to mitigate issues like this is less. There's always going to be times when things get out of hand. There's always going to be situations when something isn't going to go the way you want to, and things get out of hand. But the more you manage yourself, the more you have love and respect for our women, black men, black women, love and respect and appreciation for black men. 
the less you have this. That has been a purposeful and intentful campaign to drive wedges between black men and black women. And we've participated. We've done some things as black men we shouldn't have. But black women, you are buying into a bunch of things, too, that sell you a bill of goods about us black men. And then we wage these wars in social media and we create this hostility so that when we do encounter each other, there's already the seed of distrust, the seed of hostility, the seed of frustration. And we've lost our sense of place and our sense of awareness of who we are. And they don't want us to find it because if we find it, we're going to be able to stand on our own. We're going to be able to see beyond the bull crap they've been feeding us. And we're going to be able to make our presence felt. And they don't want that. I share this all the time. During the 60s, J. Edgar Hoover was interviewed and he was asked, what is the greatest threat to national security? Now, you got to understand, we're in the middle of the Cold War with the Soviet Union. We've got issues with a bunch of companies in the Middle East, Arab, Arab nations. We just gotten past the Cuban Missile Crisis where they literally have missiles aimed at the U.S. We've got an up and coming China. That's that that's another communist state that that is a, a problem. And J. Edgar Hoover's answer was black unity. The thing they fear isn't abroad. It's black unity. Well, you know, you, you fear what someone's going to you, do to you when you know you've been doing them wrong. And that's the greatest fear is if they get equal footing, what will they do? And the truth of the matter is the way we're built, we're not like that. That's why we get bamboozled so much. That is a normal code, usually in black people. We ain't trying to do you no harm. That's not how we built. But we 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 want what we we deserve we want what's rightfully ours and if we stand together if we unify together if we stop allowing them to force feed us what they want us to have and we start consuming what's necessary to heal things change i'm going to close on this my prayers go out to the young man who lost his life. To all young brothers, keep your head. Not just when it comes to our women, keep your head. Yes, I agree with Dr. King. A man who has nothing for which he is willing to die is not fit to live. But choose what you're willing to die for carefully and wisely. Make it be something that if you do lose your life, people will look at it and say, he died an honorable death. See, I'll die to protect my family. It, 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 it's not something I got to think about. You bother mine, you're going to see me. It's, it's real simple. That should be something that you, I'll die standing up and speaking the truth for my people. You will not threaten me with death and make me lie to my people. That's why you're not going to see my channels exposed because I get approached. Hey, I'll pay you this much if you, you no, I'm not doing that. That, that. Tell me how that helps my people and they can't explain that. It looks good. It's got a nice little piece of change attached to it. But you're misguiding and misleading my people. You, you're blowing smoke up their asses and you're asking me to do it. No, I'm not. So no, I'm not going to get the blow up. I'm not going to gas my people. I'm going to tell them the truth. Sometimes they can't stand me for it. But they're going to get the truth as far as I know it. And here's the thing that really gets me upset about all this media stuff. Anytime that I've misspoken, I've been doing this online for what, since YouTube came out. Anytime I've misspoken and someone's brought it to my attention, what have I done? I've come back and I've spoken a retraction. Anytime I've written something and I found out I was off, I came back and I wrote a retraction. See, nobody's perfect. Nobody knows everything. And Nobody knows everything. So when I'm when I'm when I'm wrong, I come back and print a retraction. That's why I got a problem with them. They lied on this woman. They threw on a son under the bus without having all the facts. And when the facts came out, they didn't come back and clarify things. And we can't expect them to do. They're not there serving us. They're there serving their own interests. And we are simply the fallout of how they are moving. We are going to have to raise up in ourselves an intent 
intentful and meaningful and mindful uh, strategy and agenda to where we're building for ourselves. And it's not going to happen overnight, but we've got to start. We've got to build. We've got to hold together. But I'm going to tell you something. My brothers get real pissed off at me. They, you know, I've even been called a simp because I go hard in the paint for black women. But anybody that knows me know I literally die for black men on a daily basis. I, I mean, everything from helping them find jobs, dealing with them with mental illness, going into court and standing up for them. I do it all the time. But I'm going to hold a man to a standard of manhood that I believe we all need to be living by. And I don't believe in men hitting on women. So that's never going to be cool with me. You're never going to sell me on I had to beat her ass. No, you didn't. You What you had to do was you had to serve your ego. You couldn't feel like she got the best of you. You couldn't feel like she won. And because most women are going to be better with this than, than we are, if you get into an argument, where is she going to take you there? That's why I don't argue. I don't argue. When we get to a point where we're arguing, that's not where things are solved anyway. Arguments lead to conflict, greater conflict, because we're not trying to solve a problem once we start arguing. We're trying to win. And once you start trying to win, losing stops being an option. And now it's about whatever I got to do to win. And you end up in spaces and things and times and situations and consequences that sometimes you don't get to come back from. So I'm challenging my brothers. We need to rise to a high level. We need to hold each other accountable to being better. And I'm not just talking about how we treat women. I'm talking about how we treat one another. I'm not your enemy. I'm not your competition. I'm fighting the same battle you're fighting and they've trained us to stand alone so they can easily manipulate and control us. There has got to be something better. Sisters, I am not going to short sale what you've been through. I'm not going to sit up and marginalize your pain. But while they will parade in front of you, the worst of us, the vast majority of us are trying to be the best we can be. And there are brothers like me out there pushing love, protection, provision, support, encouragement, and engagement. And, 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 and we're pushing it sometimes from a place of pain. What I will tell you is this, as long as they can keep us divided, they win. Hoover wasn't lying when he said unity was the greatest threat. That's why they created COINTELPRO to infiltrate the Black Nationalist Party and the Black Panther Party and to disrupt Black homes. Why? Black unitism, you got to think before we start fighting to integrate, we owned everything they owned. We had multiple cab companies, multiple bus companies, multiple theaters, cleaners, everything. And it wasn't just in Tulsa like they want you to believe. It wasn't just in Tulsa. It wasn't just in Rosewood. It wasn't just in Slocum, Texas. It wasn't just in Wilmington, North Carolina or East St. Louis. We were doing that and we were doing it without being underwritten for anything. You got to understand, we got tossed off the plantation and got leased back onto it, a lot of us, through convict leasing. We need to come to an understanding of just how gifted we are intellectually, in, 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 in creativity, in innovation. The three highest IQs on the planet, three black children. Under the age of 15. That's how gifted we are. Almost every time you see a child graduating with a degree under 15, what color are they? They will sell you your own inferiority through imagery and having you behave like you're inferior. Uh, like him or hate him. One thing that Dr. Johnson, Umar Johnson said about eight years ago, and I agree with him 100%. He said that white supremacy is absolutely nothing without black compliance. Every time we harm one another, we are complying. 
every time we we take shortcuts and do things that get us caught up we're complying every time we join forces with people we know mean our people no good we are complying if we stop complying they lose their power compliance is the surrendering of power and the acquiescence of will once we decide we're going to operate in our will to pursue the things that are in the best interest of us and our families, when we decide we're going to re-establish uh, and rescue our values, interests, and principles that serve us as a people and that we're not going to waver from it, we become unstoppable. So... Um, we have a problem. We've been having a problem with the media and it's just getting worse. And we are going to have to get to a point where we start writing our own story our way. On that note, look, I'm going to get ready to get out of here. For those of you who, again, as I said at the beginning, believe in the work that I've been doing for the last 30 years at the Odyssey Project. Look in the description box of wherever you're watching this video, because I'm streaming on multiple platforms right now. Look in the description box and see how you can support us and show some love. Uh, again, my prayers go out to everybody that was involved in that. But please understand that particular situation is far too common and it's happening far too often in our communities. It's time for us to rescue our communities. It's time for us to gentrify and build our communities. It's time to protect home ownership and encourage home ownership. It's so many different things that we need to be doing that we're not doing. Um, and I hope the minds come together and we do something about it. On that note, look, I'm gonna get ready to get out of here. I wanna thank you for joining in. Erlene, uh, it's always good to see you. Uh, you definitely keep me on my toes. Um, you've been around for a long time. So thank you uh, for your honesty. Uh, B. Blaze, thank you for stopping in. You've been with me for an extremely long time, and you're always here giving it for everyone else who stopped in. Eric Boyd, I don't know if you're still here. Man, I got nothing but mad love for you and how you handle yourself and you carry yourself and you do business. Uh, thank you for stopping in. Um, look, on that note, it's been almost an hour. I'm going to get off of here. I got other work to do, but this one was sitting on my spirit and I didn't just want to record it and upload it. I wanted to kind of come hang with you guys for a minute. So I thank you for spending time with me on that note. I'm out of here. You guys have an unbelievable remainder of your day.